90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. It's beginning to be a little fallish, which is nice. No, it's not. It was burning hot today. <laughs> it was like in the 50s this morning here. So. It was, yes. This morning was quite nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking of outside things, I put my chickens in lockdown, which is pretty funny. They're in trouble, which they're oh, very... Oh, no, what happened? Yeah, they're very upset about since it's so nice outside. I had been getting less eggs, and I just assumed it's because it was still super hot, and then my husband said, there's an egg over here by the lawnmower. I was like, oh, okay. And I walk over there. There wasn't one egg. There was 16 eggs. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I lock them up every day. And if they all give me an egg in their nesting box like they're supposed to, they get to go out at night. And if they don't, no dice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Making those chickens work. Dang straight I am. And my neighbor, who is my chicken guru, she's like, did you get the glass of water and float them to see if they were okay? I said, oh, God, no, I'm not going to eat these things because I had taken them, all 16 of them, back to the back of our property, which we back up to a whole lot of just woodlands. And I threw them for fun and stress relief, and a couple of them bounced and rolled. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it has been lovely outside, and that's what that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, very good. So <laughs> you made the mistake of saying, why don't you come up with a show topic this time? Uh, man, yeah. That's why I wanted to tell that funny story, so I can remember what it's like to laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I said, why don't we talk about Div, Grad, and Curl? And I said, that text was meant for somebody else, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was funny because you said you didn't put any notes up for this show. And I said, because you have a meteorology degree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, to which I responded, I also got C's in some classes. So there you go. (laughs) I'm more of a big picture kind of person (laughs) right (laughs) less of a details oriented Mm -hmm. this is um yeah i will say my friend and i used to sign off our emails and we still do sometime uh she was j hat because her name is gina with a j (laughs) and i became s hat which was even funnier to write out so Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so that's my um, nerdiness with respect that's to... That's just a couple letters off from how I signed some of my emails. Ah! <laughs> 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 yeah. So that's, um, that's what I have to contribute to this. And you go ahead. I <laughs> uh, no, And I mean, we're not going to do hardcore math on the, the show here. Of course, but I think getting a conceptual understanding of these is actually not too bad. Yes. And can also make you sound really fun at certain types of parties. (laughs) Yep, those meteorology parties where they used to play the old weather channel local on the 8s music in the background. Is this the party you're talking about? (laughs) That would be the one. Excellent. (laughs) Or the one with anybody that does fluid mechanics, continuum mechanics... Any kind of aerospace people. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, wild and crazy crowds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, they are worth talking about because, really, the mathematical operations that are these things represent a whole lot of the natural world. Well, and the first couple, I don't really hear curl so much, but uh, the gradient... And divergence, that's something that we can use colloquially. People do, having no idea that it's actually a mathematical operation. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I find that, well, yes, that is very true. Our paths diverged. <laughs> there you go. Is one that you often hear. Mm-hmm. This gradient of my hair color <laughs> changing with right. age. <laughs> exactly. 
So, so, I mean, we've taken how many hours of classes with this? I'm just interested in how you are <laughs> going to distill this down <laughs> and if this is our next 12 shows or what. <laughs> I mean, mathematically, this is probably, I don't know, a three-hour course in vector calculus. It's not the whole thing, but it's the heart of it. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, that's just working it, not applying it. <laughs> yeah, and then we spend a few semesters applying it, blindly, yep. and then maybe one semester applying it with understanding. <laughs> I never took that semester. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, these upside down triangles look kind of familiar, so, you know. Ah, yes, and I have things to say about the upside-down triangles, oh, but we'll get there. Oh, goodness. <laughs> All right, so when you said we're going to do this, I immediately found this book online called <laughs> Div, Grad, Curl, and All That, an informal text. And you said, <laughs> and you, you said, do you know about this book? And I said, oh, I have this book. <laughs> Not surprised at all. <laughs> Pulled it up on Amazon, and Amazon helpfully reminded me that I bought it September 28th, 2009. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Um, I mean, you would have been through, you would have probably been in, what, Dynamics then? Uh, probably Dynamics 1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, I get that. When you start to apply it, and they're like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Let's make sure like, we I got this. I actually have to understand this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> said the operations of it are much different than the applications of it. <laughs> right. And this is something that I'm becoming, well, one, we've already established, I learned by doing and seeing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I've done a couple of MetPy Mondays that aren't out yet, but they oh. will be out shortly after this, where we're kind of doing this. We're taking some vector fields that we create. And we're calculating some of these operators on them and plotting it. I mean, like, okay, well, what should happen if we change the wind vectors over here? Okay, well, let's compute it. Like, let's don't make these chalkboard drawings of, well, it should do about this. Like, no, let's compute it and convince ourselves that we understand this. So that kind of goes with last week's um, fun paper that we talked about when you gave students data and what they did with it, whether you prescribed it or just said, here are data, do a thing, right? Right. <laughs> That's very interesting. And I thought, I need to do more of that. Like, just do the thing. Well, and it really is not a great service to the students because yes. if you make a chalkboard drawing and you say, okay, here's a four-quadrant jet streak model. We've got convergence here and divergence here the students can kind of squint at it and go, yeah, okay, sure. And then they take dynamics, you know, the, maybe the next period they go to their dynamics class from their synoptic class, and they're doing this weird Laplacian thing, and they don't see that these are connected. It's the same thing. Yep. Because in the class, we're doing symbolic math, and we're not actually calculating or plotting anything. And in the applications class, we're drawing pretty pictures with our colored pencils and not thinking about it in terms of mathematical operators. This is going to actually bleach into our, bleed into our fun paper Friday. And the whole point of like, that's sort of how native science approaches stuff, that it's all holistic. But we, it's like we turn our brain off at the end of that 50 minutes or that 75 minutes. And we, as educators, do a very poor job of showing the interconnectedness of those things. You know, looking back, it's like, oh, but like, why wasn't that said more or pointed out more? You know, I, I, I struggle with trying to f understand if time away from this to look back on it has given me understanding or if there was like a better way to approach it when we were in it to gain more understanding of that connectedness between the mechanics and like the actual, you know, processes. Right. And I'm not sure either, honestly, mm -hmm. it's been long enough to go that. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell you exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, yes. The benefit of hindsight, I guess. <laughs> right. But the deal is 
for anyone that's in the thick of it now, it does get better and it will make sense. <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> Hush, it might have made sense 10 years ago. I don't know. <laughs> I almost said we weren't doing this, but we were doing this almost 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I was say, it's not 20 years for me, but it's it's a full decade since yep. I graduated. Yep. <laughs> it's not 20 years since I graduated quite yet either <laughs> right uh, so it so it really does get better maybe 10 yes i really think so like just letting it marinate which is really i think an important step in all of this because it is a lot of info but just letting it marinate and always asking yourself you know okay great i can mechanically do this but what does that mean i've got these vectors what does that represent what is the gradient in this you know scalar field or whatever well, and having, doing the exercise of, I'm going to create, like, I'm just going to write down on a piece of paper, 16 numbers, a four by four grid, and I'm going to by hand calculate the gradient. Okay. Now you sort of understand, you can say, I expect, because I created these data, I expect the gradient to look like this, and you calculate it, and well, does it? You know, did you do it wrong, or is your understanding wrong? really helps yeah. i think i i think so too um it always seems <laughs> this is funny i had this conversation twice just in the last two days um the part of teaching where you make the students either teach each other you know or do this presentation on this stuff before you talk about it and it always seems like a professor is getting out of doing the work <laughs> But it truly is, like, one of the best ways to get your mind wrapped around it, as opposed to being like, here, do this whole page full of homework. But, like, here, you make up the homework problem and then work it out. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I find, and too. And grading it is twice the work. Yes. <laughs> that is true. But I also find that, you know, um, people are like, oh, well, they'll make easy questions, but they don't. Students don't do that, actually. They make very good questions. Um, and so it is twice the work in grading it, but it's also twice the understanding, I think. Well, and if you're a student and, you know, you're assigned problems 3, 6, 12, 11, and 18, like, do the others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, just because they're not going to be graded doesn't mean you shouldn't do them if you're having trouble with the concept. That's what mm -hmm. they're there for, mm -hmm. to help you learn the concept. And it's probably what your professor is going to pull the test questions from. Ah, ah, ah. Now everybody just dropped out of listening to the podcast. They're like, they just gave us homework. This is lame. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the first one that we want to talk about is the gradient. Okay. Great. You take the gradient on what we would call a scalar field, which just means a grid of numbers, single numbers. Mm -hmm. So in meteorology, temperature. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this could be anything, too, though. Oh, yeah. Um, it can be the height of topography, mm -hmm. the height of a contact, uh, pressures underground. Wind speed wind speed, anything that is a number, not a vector, you can take the gradient of. Okay. So taking the gradient, you can see there is a gradient. What does this mean mathematically? So, <laughs> I mean, it's just the partial derivative as a uh, vector. This is, this is too late and too far away from calculus one. <laughs> All right, so what a derivative is just the change right. in something. Yes. Yep. So you look at your numbers on your piece of paper, and you go to the right in the x direction, and you say, how much did it change? Okay, the temperature changed 12 degrees and 10 kilometers. Mm -hmm. So that's a gradient of 1.2 degrees per kilometer in the x direction. Yes. Then you look in the y direction. Look at the number ahead of it or behind it. Okay, it changed 10 degrees in 10 kilometers. That's one degree a kilometer. Mm -hmm. 
So with the combination of that change in x and y, and optionally z, or any number of dimensions, <laughs> you get a vector as a result. Mm-hmm. And that, is, that vector points in the direction of maximum change. Which you can draw out the conversation you just had, and you draw a vector, and there you go. It, that physically makes a lot of sense. Right. And, you know, you can think about it uh, even with topography. If you pour water on topography, it's going to do what we would call gradient descent. It's going to go in the direction of the biggest change of topography downward. Right, exactly. This is the thing that makes rivers evolve and change, you know. That's rivers changing their direction because they're looking for that highest gradient. Right, and so we call this the gradient, but like I said, it's really a partial derivative. So when you write it out, it looks a little ugly. You got partial of the thing with x plus the partial of the thing with y plus the partial of the thing with z and then we get into these hat things that you were referring to i hat j hat and k hat (laughs) which those are unit vectors right right they're really a mathematical notation that's necessary to be correct but it's just (laughs) saying i hat is a (laughs) vector of length one that tells me what direction is x. Right. J is y, k is z. Yep. There's nothing special. They just say, hey, we got to orient this coordinate system somehow, and these are vectors that point in that direction. Mm -hmm. But writing all of that every time gets really old. Oh, so old. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we define something called the vector operator. Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> Which is the upside down triangle that looks kind of like a tornado. Um, I didn't know it was called Nabla. That's what it's called. Well, so it goes by a lot of names. <laughs> now this is an intriguing math story. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, like, I want to call it a Dell because it's an upside down triangle, but. That's sort of talking about change, you know, but... Yeah, so some people call it Dell. Right. Uh, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Some people call it Nabla, which is a Greek harp. Oh. It looks kind of like a harp. Okay. That's my preferred name for it. Who came up with this? Is this like Newtonian or... Oh, you're so close. It's the oh, other you're guy. so close. So <laughs> I, I looked into the history of Nabla because what else am I going to do on a Monday night? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, there is some debate over the first use of Nabla, but mm-hmm. it seems to be widely accredited to Hamilton of the Hamiltonian. Really? Yes. Huh. Okay. But then there's one more name, which is my favorite. Well, it's not the one I would ever use, but it it warms my nerd heart. (laughs) It's just like me walking around saying Octothorpe. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Give it to me. Which which is the Atled. (laughs) Okay. Which is Delta spelled backwards. It sure is. Oh, my God. Because just... the delta operator is the right-side-up triangle, so this uh, is the atlet. Atlet, that's... What, oh, God, I just wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's my favorite one, too. I'm using it. I mean, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I have never hysterical. had a math professor call it the atlet, though. Oh, did you find it anywhere else besides, like... One website or no? <laughs> okay, so let me tell you how far down into this I went. Um, I read a very lengthy mailing list bulletin board transcript from 98. Yes. From a University of Illinois mathematics department listserv. Oh, my gosh. 
that went into great detail about the names of this operator. Oh, that is... <laughs> I love that that still exists on the internet. <laughs> the internet's amazing. Half the people that participated in that forum are emeritus, I'm sure. Oh, hush your mouth. That's when I graduated high school. <laughs> Maybe oh. more than half. <laughs> God, that's so good. Well, and that half definitely still has AOL email addresses. <laughs> oh, yes. But that's where I first read the Atlet. Atlet. Oh, that's so good. <clears throat> okay. So anyway, instead of writing all these partials, you can do Nabla <laughs> times your field. Uh-huh. And that gives you this grad back. And remember, grad is a vector. So you're applying an operator to a scalar field, and it gives you vectors back. Right. That's very important. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, uh, oh, one thing to point out, too. If you draw contours in your scalar field, okay. the gradient always crosses contour lines at right angles. Perpendicular, yes. That Always. makes perfect sense. That makes perfect but sense. Okay. Worth or if you're operating in higher dimensions, it always crosses the multidimensional surface at a normal. <laughs> oh, math is the best. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. Okay, that makes total okay. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So divergence number two. Okay. Stuff going apart. <laughs> uh, or coming together. Oh, that well, yes, that is true, because negative divergence, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you take the divergence of a vector field, and you get what? That becomes a scalar. You get a scalar. Yeah, pretty cool. Yes. This was one of those things that made sense in physics. <laughs> Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So imagine you've got your little grid on your paper now, and you draw wind arrows, wind vectors, or mm-hmm. water flow vectors. Mm-hmm. When the vectors point towards each other, or vectors earlier in this flow are faster than ones ahead of them, stuff piles up, right? Yes. Okay, so... You're accumulating things. That's convergence, negative divergence. Mm-hmm. If it's flowing away faster than you're flowing in, or it's flowing out from each other directionally, you have divergence. Positive divergence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you want to hear the physicist way to say this, <laughs> it would be something about fluxes across faces... But it would, well, okay, here, here's what it would sound like. I'll, I will pull it up and read you the exact. The divergence of a vector field represents the flux generation per unit volume at each point in the field. Okay. So flux is how much stuff is going past a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Per unit volume, per little cube of cube. air. Yeah. At every point in your domain. So big numbers in that mean that that vector field is you know just like you said if you've got a lot of convergence there or a lot of divergence it's really easy to imagine those vectors in 3d space you know everything pointing into this one little cube of interest and saying okay the divergence of that will be a large scalar number right yeah Mm-hmm. This one, if you don't get this and you're listening to us and you're like, this is the worst podcast ever. <laughs> I just want you to know this was very hard for me going through school, but it's very easy for me to visualize now. And that is because I've had a lot of practice. That's it. Practice like making those connections between the math on the page and the physical process that it is uh, describing. Because you just heard John say a whole bunch of things that were unrelated, you know, water flow airflow you can talk about flow you know of water on the surface aquifers all these things it's the same math to describe them right mm-hmm. yeah. so divergence it sounds complicated but it's really not it's 
if you stand there, is more stuff coming to you or leaving you, mm-hmm. or is it staying the same? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And a field with zero divergence would be what? Zero divergence. So yeah. either you have just like steady state flow. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. like every velocity is the All same. The same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All flow of the same velocity in the same direction. Direction. Right. Yep. And mathematicians have a word for that. Mm. Yes. Is it's it a at- sol- solenoidal field? Oh. Solenoidal field. So somebody needs to throw that in an area forecast discussion. Something about solenoidal winds. Absolutely. Because that brings to mind a corkscrew, basically. So that's very interesting. <laughs> hmm. That is an... And if something has a zero gradient, what would that be? Oh, so if you have zero gradient, all the, all the values are the same. Yeah, so it's constant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like in... When you're taking a derivative in regular old math, if you take the derivative of a constant, it goes away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't go away. It becomes zero, which is <laughs> a thing, but yes. we we stop writing it. Yes, exactly. And if we're writing divergence, oh, here's the real test. Do you remember how to write divergence? Uh, no. <laughs> D-I-V-E-R-G-E-N-C. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nabla dotted with your field oh okay yep, yep, yep so use the dot product dot products which is just vector multiplication fanciness Ugh. that is so hard to explain <laughs> have we talked about we, we've talked about dot products and cross products on here i think we have but you take the x components multiply them add it to the y components multiplied add it to the z components multiplied boom dot there you product. go yep gotcha Okay. Yeah, man, this is bringing back some intense homework PTSD for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> and you can get the book Div Grad Curl and all of that, and get some nice example problems to work. Oh, I'm. It's already in the cart. <laughs> <laughs> Just some light reading before bed. No big deal. <laughs> but right. we haven't finished, right? Now we get this weird one. Ugh. Oh, curl. <laughs> okay. Curl. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so <laughs> curl sounds like it should do something about spinning, right? It sounds like it's moving vectors some direction. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but when I think about this, even though I know it's not quite it, but I always... <laughs> I just always think of our large Russian dynamics teacher making these motions with his hands to try to indicate, you know, what you're doing when you're curling something. Right. (laughs) And it warms my heart. (laughs) Yeah, so you take your right hand and you extend it out in the direction of your first vector and you Ah. rotate the fingers in the direction of the second vector and your thumb points in the direction of the resultant. Right hand screw rule. <laughs> right hand screw rule. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> I will now, say. Now, why is it right hand? Because that's how we defined coordinate systems. Yep, could exactly. Could you do it all in left hand? You sure could, but you'd have to be consistent. <laughs> yep, that's the disclaimer for my strike and dip exercises. <laughs> yep, so one-armed mathematicians, it's you fine. can still do it. Doesn't matter. Yep. And I love the the resource I found to review some of these things. It had this sentence in it, and I love it. (laughs) So far, we have seen the operator del applied to a scalar field, del u, and dotted with a vector field, del dot a. We are now overwhelmed by an irresistible temptation to cross it with a vector field, del cross a. This gives the curl of a vector field. Oh, man, that's great. <laughs> logical. Completely logical. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by the irresistible <laughs> temptation. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, that's so great. We did the dot product. Now let's do the cross product. 
That's the next logical step, as you said. That's what mathematics is, right? Exactly. We're going to exhaustively prove everything. (laughs) I will say that I quite enjoy curls. (laughs) Right. Like, I really loved cross products. This just made a lot of, I don't know, temporal sense or spatial sense. This makes a lot of spatial sense. This is math that, yeah, I can do 3D. Right. And so if you want to calculate the cross product, it's actually very simple. It's the magnitude of vector A times the magnitude of vector B times the sine of the angle between them in the direction that we just talked about with the right-hand rule, which is a vector perpendicular to the plane that has both of those vectors in it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that seems simple, but what does it mean? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> or, well, <laughs> okay. I mean, if you really want to do it and not have to calculate the angle between all these things, uh, you can do this whole determinant nonsense. Mm-hmm. Remember to, to calculating determinants? Oh, gosh. I've really blocked it out. <laughs> Yeah, you draw a matrix with I, J, and K, del X, del Y, del Z, A, X, A, Y, A, Z, and mm-hmm. you do this stuff about crossing mm-hmm. right to left and left to right That's and right. subtracting yep, things. Yep, yep. yep. You can look up the formula. It makes for horrible radio. <laughs> it makes for horrible homework, too. No, that's the part that I actually, yeah, I really, matrix algebra was very fun. But now right. you got vectors so, thrown in there. <laughs> what's a matrix but a way to describe vectors? Exactly right. What's a tensor but a way to describe a matrix of vectors? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is really making a lot of sense, actually. But, I mean, this one, oh, yeah. You could get some. You. We talked about tornadoes because that little thing looks like a tornado. But this is the math of tornadoes. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, draw what the vectors, velocity vectors of water would look like that's going down a drain. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you would see that that water is rotating about some axis. Mm Mm-hmm. And the circulation of a vector field Mm. around some closed curve is the curl. Yeah. Which also we would call vorticity. (laughs) If you do it it per unit area, it is vorticity. Makes sense. That's why we learned it. Hmm. (laughs) Before you start getting into those path integrals, remember those, the integral symbol with the little circle on it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Where you integrate along a specific path. Mm -hmm. Man, almost like a tornado. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So that's Nabla cross vector field. <laughs> I don't I don't know if there are nerdier things you've said, but <laughs> I'm sure there are, but that one's really funny to me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and what would a field with zero curl be? Um a straight line. <laughs> um it no. doesn't have to be. No, it doesn't have to be actually. You would have opposing, I'm trying to figure this out, opposing vectors. Hmm. Well, if, if, if you, a field with curl has circulation. Right. So you wouldn't be circulating. So it's still the same, like, steady state, right? It's hmm. irrotational. Oh, okay. Yeah. So against each other. Yeah. 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 Um. And then, you know, let's do it. Okay, this makes sense. I had to keep going on that one for a minute. (laughs) Let's do a bonus. (laughs) Because I didn't warn you about the bonus. Oh, no. (laughs) Look, I already failed and I've been warned what we were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we can take the gradient of scalars and get what? Vectors. Vector V. Okay, and we can take divergence of vectors, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
So I can compute the divergence of the gradient of a scalar field. Oh, okay. Yeah? Because yeah. gradient gives me vectors. Calculate divergence of that. Divergence of the gradient. So I am calculating how much my gradient is confluent or effluent. Okay. You're calculating a gradient flux. Ooh. Yeah. And that looks like, so we said that the grad is nabla, you know, call our field, I don't know, Z. Nabla Z. Mm-hmm. And div is nabla dot vectors. So this is nabla dot nabla Z. Okay. So we simplify that when we write it and call it nabla squared. It's not a squared in the traditional. Yes. Well, I mean, it sort of is because you're taking the second derivative, sort of. Mm-hmm. Oh. But so nabla squared is this operation, and we call it the Laplacian. Yes, I knew this felt familiar. <laughs> I knew I'd seen that before. <laughs> yep, it mm-hmm. shows up everywhere. everywhere. Yes, yes. When you start writing differential equations to describe anything, you end up starting with nabla squareds in there somewhere. Right. Uh, the diffusion equation has it. So if you're calculating diffusion of something, which is the same as heat flow, um, shows up in quantum mechanics a lot. It's great in image processing. Like if you're trying to find the edges of something, you take the Laplacian of the image because what's an image? It's a scalar field. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get the rate of change of color is the gradient, and you get how much that is concentrated or not in an area of an image. And that helps find edges. There have been some very... I go to a lot of math talks because I don't understand them. And thinking about what you just said made uh, the last math talk I went to make a lot more sense because they actually will like animate that and yeah that makes sense now okay yeah so the only requirement to do this is that your field you can differentiate it twice mm-hmm. which oh, most physical fields you can yep boy we did a lot of homeworks with this <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and i mean you can get you can go further down the rabbit hole, which we won't. <laughs> that was that last math talk I went to. <laughs> yeah, so there are some restrictions. Like, okay, you have to be in Euclidean space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can generalize this. Uh, you can use Laplace Beltrami or um, D'Amberlin, something like that. But if you need to work in, like, uh, elliptic, hyperbolic, ultra-hyperbolic, crazy spaces, this starts you can to... do that. Yeah. Mm. I'm definitely going to go down an ultra-hyperbolic rabbit hole. <laughs> right. <laughs> in fact, I think most of what you've said has been ultra-hyperbolic. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Okay. That was so, as traumatic as I thought it was. <laughs> going to see, be. <laughs> it's fun. And you're right. I did remember a lot more than I thought. The vorticity one I got real excited about. <laughs> but if we could, if we taught a little more like this with, let's get a gut feeling, a conceptual feeling. Let's talk about what would this vector field do? What would this look like? Before we dive into the calculus, instead of saying, now that you understand the calculus, let's apply it, I think we'd have a little more luck. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. You might even argue that our brains use this intentional space when talking about things right away instead of trying to do it rationally right away, which it turns out is okay, as we'll learn in our next segment, right? <laughs> Which is everybody's favorite segment of the show. Fun Paper Friday. Yay! <laughs> um, so we had to delve deeper 
into this Yanai and Lurcher that we went into last week, right? And I thought that we should read their paper about the two languages of science, which we alluded to last time, but this is the paper defining that. And this is unbelievable. I think every student should have to read this. I can't believe this isn't a bigger deal. Yes, but I also think there would be some trouble, especially by students that don't have the hindsight of having looked at journal articles of every field for 10 years. Correct. Of we need something like this with geoscience references because talking about proteins doesn't mean much to most geologists. Okay, that is very true. But just the language of it is very, very interesting. Um, And so, you know, last week we talked about this. What is day science versus night science, which was all this is about um, and how the languages of day and night science are different. And something that comes up a lot when we talk about science, especially, you know, once you get into graduate school, is how you present your science, how you write, how you speak about it, how you never anthropomorphize anything. (laughs) And that's um, almost seen as being not useful and you shouldn't do it at all, which is not what this paper says. And I'm very interested to see what you think about their um, conclusions in here. So do you remember the movie Short Circuit? (laughs) Number five alive. (laughs) Right. So there's a quote in that that um, actually it's come up a couple times in conversation this week (laughs) of we're talking about the robot, you know, this person in the in the show says, you know, that, well, the robot thinks it's going to die. It feels this. And one of the main characters says, it's a machine. It doesn't get happy. It doesn't get mad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get sad. It just runs programs. Mm-hmm. So that's a very day science way of thinking about this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we often describe things as like, my computer's unhappy right now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's Is over- it? It's no. overwhelmed. <laughs> right. That search or, made it sad. <laughs> right. Or, I mean, I definitely saw this in grad school. People would anthropomorphize, you know, well, the rocks feel this stress. Oh, that one's and hard to even catch. Some people would really jump on that yes and say rocks don't feel anything write the stress tensor and move along (laughs) Mm -hmm. but so when talking about this why is that something that we have to keep correcting why does it even come up in the first place and i thought this was an interesting part of this paper too yeah, I mean, having rigor is important in science, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But why would that be something that we talk about anyway? Why would we anthropomorphize anything? And I thought it was interesting, They, which this will clearly be a fun paper in the future. <laughs> they talk about these MRI studies that say that when we're presented with a problem, the parts of our brain basically that would prescribe intentionality to a process or to a thing are the things that light up. So it's just the way we think about stuff because we're humans. And so you're like, oh, that little that little rock didn't like being over there, so it eroded itself in this direction. That's not right at all. But what is correct about that statement is that rock moved position in space because of something that was a... It, that was acting on it, right? Not positive or negative, but it was a force that was acting on it. So it's interesting to think that, like, that's where we we initially take our brain when we're thinking about stuff, and then we can translate it, as they say in this paper, into day science language. Like, we know that rock didn't not like being where it was, and that's why it moved. But you can translate that into talking about the gradient of the topography and why it eroded. Right. Well, and it helps us to think about in this night science thinking, trying to come up with creative ideas for what we think might be happening or what we're going to test to think about, okay, 
I'm an air parcel. I'm getting blown up the side of a mountain. So what's how? Okay, I'm expanding. I'm adiabatically cooling. So I'm going to start condensing. Okay, that's going to release latent heat. So you start thinking through these mm-hmm. processes as if you were the whatever you're studying. Right. And it really does help. It really does. And this is really funny because this is where my funny, interesting, not haha. Um, <laughs> this is where my native science class lives. Because in like Western science, the metaphors, they have this great paragraph in here where they say we speak in metaphors and they, they put in like four metaphors in a sentence. And it's very hard to catch them. Just like you were talking right. about. <laughs> the, yeah, just like the rock feels stress. That would have been hard for me to catch as a metaphor, but it is. Um, and so, you know, native science is the language of metaphors. They, a bunch of the metaphors are animistic. They're not mechanical. You know, thunderstorms aren't freight trains. They're horses galloping. And that's where this class lives because those students that take my thousand level intro science with the lab don't need to understand the language of day science they don't need it they're not going to work in that field it's not something they can know it exists but it doesn't help progress their understanding of science but the night science way of talking about it absolutely does and it's really cool that you know to think that those people can go and take the night science part and maybe have a better understanding of science as they go about. And most of them are accountants. I don't know why this class attracts so many accountants. <laughs> but as they go out and do interesting, accounting, it is very interesting. <laughs> you know, um, and then the one person that actually changes their major to geology every couple of years, which happens, then they can be like, okay, I understand this night science part. That was cool. Let's turn that into the day science rigor of what you know a geologist would do right let's let's take said pet and look at minerals under a microscope and talk about extinction angles exactly exactly yeah yeah this is this is so cool because you so often like they say in here you know get chastised for ascribing prescribing intentionality to these non-living things but it's how we think of humans and it can help us be more creative when trying to approach and what we talked about last week when trying to just find a problem to look at. Right. And did you go watch this thing they talk about in here, this Hyder Simmel animation? No, I didn't get to it, but I did already make up a really funny story in my mind just on their figure. (laughs) So, so everybody join Shannon in going to YouTube (laughs) and looking up Hyder H E I D E R Simmel, S-I-M-M-E-L, animation. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to see is an animation from the 40s of three shapes and a box, and they move around. These are just movements of shapes. There's no anything about it. It's just pictures that were taken of these shapes being placed various places. But I challenge you to not start coming up with a narrative and being like, ooh, that guy's angry. Exactly, exactly, because the big triangle hits the little triangle, and it looks like he comes back to hit him again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're watching the ball, and you're like, ooh, it's scared, but it can't get in the door. Exactly. It's like, who said anything about a door that's a line? But, <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely, yeah. Or yes. if you read Flatland, this has a whole other. I know. Oh, man. That book messed me up. <laughs> messed me up. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> you, you know there's a improved, like, no. anniversary edition of that. Are you serious? Oh, that man. you should buy. So I, every year, I don't know, I don't think I ever talk about it on the podcast, which is weird because we do our resolution show. And this is the one resolution I've kept for seven years straight is that I set a, well, no, I do talk about it a little bit. I set a number of books I'm going to read. And one year it was New Year's Eve and I was short one book 
and I'm psychotically competitive for no reason whatsoever. And I grabbed Flatland, and I remember it was 11 o'clock at night, and I'm just sitting there over this 20-page book, just mind-blown. It was the most boring and also mind-opening New Year's Eve ever. <laughs> yep. Wow. I did not know there was a new one. Great. Well, it's not new. It's just, it's not 20 pages anymore. There's a lot of commentary and mm. analysis around Ooh. it. Oh, the uncut it's, it's like the, version. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like watching the director's commentary of The Office. Ah, excellent. Okay, I probably need that. <laughs> I suggest it. <laughs> you would not read it in an hour, though. It, it's, it's a chunk. More than that. <laughs> yeah. But no, I thought this was a great fun paper. Uh, I text you that I was really loving these day and night science papers. Yeah, this is a really, this is a really cool concept. Um, I think these came from Daryl, I'm sure, right? Uh, originally. <laughs> uh, potentially. I have to go back and look in my, yeah, my fun gotta, paper gotta notes. Yeah, I got to go back to look. Um, mm -hmm. yep. it now, I, I do Darryl. love, they have a table in here, and most of these are biology, which doesn't translate as well for us because we don't know the jargon mm -hmm. but the one that did translate well was nature abhors a vacuum that's the night science version <laughs> the day science version is effusion or movement towards lower pressure occurs because unobstructed gas molecules will become more evenly distributed between high and low pressure zones by a flow from the former to the latter which isn't as catchy on a shirt but i definitely used to have a t-shirt that said nature abhors a vacuum <laughs> right Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, no, this was absolutely from Daryl. I mean, the the whole, yeah. The one last week is from Daryl, which led us to 15 more that we have to read. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So if you've got your own day-night science things, book recommendations, or just want us to check your homework on DivGrad and Curl. Shannon, how can they send that in? <laughs> send that to John at Geo underscore Lehman on Twitter. I'm at Shannon Doolin. You can email us both, show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. And sometimes we're hanging out in the chat room, uh, the Software Underground, the Don't Panic channel. Thank you always to our Patreon supporters for keeping us going. You can do so too. Patreon.com slash don'tpanicgeo. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.